Welcome to the Never Too Early Fantasy Football Podcast, where it is never too early for fantasy football. My name is Jeff. And I'm Alex. As always, thank you for downloading, listening, liking, and commenting on our podcast videos. Please subscribe to us on the socials. Our handle on all platforms is at N2E Fantasy. We are also available on all major podcasting apps by searching N2E Fantasy. Alex, what do we have on today's show? On this episode of the Never Too Early Fantasy Football Podcast, we are covering news from Week 9 games, including injuries, recapping matchups, and providing insight for fantasy players. Jeff, we have a slew of Week 9 games here, and we can get started with the Thursday night matchup, which was the Tennessee Titans at the Pittsburgh Steelers. What did you make of this matchup? So, so some really good matchups this week. This was actually one that kind of came down to the wire. I guess quarter play, back play is not everything in a matchup because Levis did outplay Pickett in the loss. But uh, everyone's going to remember Levis's pick at the end, but he was definitely forcing the ball down the field at that point, And I don't blame that on the quarterback at all, no matter who the quarterback is at that point. Some of my takeaways with Levis, though, is DeAndre Hopkins appears to be a target monster with Levis, which is going to pan out in more weeks than not. This is not a week that it did pan out. But also Derrick Henry is back with Levis. Like the just the threat of actual play action down the field throwing has made Derrick Henry a much better runner in this offense. And I know you've been very adamant that he's not going to get a new contract with this team, but there is a world where he is back there with a second year Levis and a third year Levis. And it's kind of a good combo between the two of them because a little bit more of expensive running back, a little bit cheaper quarterback. And uh, it, it is something that might actually work out a little bit longer than just one year. Would you concur with that? Or am I being kind of crazy and, and just speaking out of turn? Levis continues to show well for the rest of the year and gives them hope for next season of playing at a high level and, and being a playoff contender. I could see them bringing back Henry. I don't think it'll be a super long contract, but maybe give him two or three years. That's very front loaded. I could, I could see that, especially in guarantees front loaded. So that is something that I, I could see happening. However, if they sputter out and collapse, I could see them moving on from Derek Henry or franchise tagging him. If they have that capacity for this next season. Yeah. It's just something different that we didn't see coming. So I didn't expect Levis to be this confident this early and no, not everything is shown on tape and on film right now, but like the way that he reads defenses and the way that defenses react to him, tell me all that I need to know about Levis right at this exact moment. He's showing a lot of his 2021 college film and not the mistake and injury filled 2022 season stats. So he looks better than expectations. However, he, this was a little bit of a coming back to earth against the Pittsburgh Steelers. However, him outperforming Kenny Pickett, I think, is more of an indictment of Kenny Pickett, <laughs> who has only scored more than one touchdown in a game one time out of 21 starts, which is abysmal. And you can't blame everything on Matt Canada. Some of it has to be at Kenny Pickett's feet. Blame Canada. No. Um, seriously though, um, Tomlin stuck up for Pickett today saying like, look at him in the fourth quarter, look at his fourth quarter passer rating. Yeah. But what about the other three quarters? I think mm -hmm. at this point in time, I think Tomlin is happy just being a above 500 coach and that's not good enough anymore. And Pittsburgh is going to hold on to Kenny a little bit longer than they should have because he's Pittsburgh's boy. So, uh, just, just, there's going to be too much loyalty there to, for them to move off of him. And 
I just I, I don't I don't see this franchise winning a title with Pickett or anything like that. So like they can enjoy mediocrity with Kenny Pickett for the next three years. Well, part of that, and this is going to apply to similar quarterback situations where a team is limited by the quarterback that they have. What's the alternative? How are they going to get a better quarterback? They're not likely to be picking at the top of the draft. It'll take a lot of capital for them to potentially move up if they were going to do that. So their alternatives are to stick with Kenny Pickett, who is a more of a game manager quarterback. He's never going to be the superstar. He's never going to be a top five, top 10 quarterback in the league. It's just not going to happen. However, can you win with that if you improve in other areas? Maybe. Otherwise, you had to take a stab in the middle rounds at a high upside quarterback to potentially take over. And that has happened with teams before. Like Levis was a top of the second round pick that easily could have been Pittsburgh. And there's been like Derek Carr. There's been like Dak Prescott, who has been a middle round quarterback who has much higher upside than Kenny Pickett at this point. There's always going to be someone that you can try to hit on. So that's really their only alternative right now, unless they can get a veteran to come in if they have the cap. So right now, I feel like they're stuck. What else can they do but defend him? They can't, but you would say that they already have one of the better defenses in the league, correct? Yes. So there's only so many areas that you can improve on before you just realize you're pointing the finger back at the quarterback at some point. So it's going to happen sooner or later. Deontay Johnson finally scored a touchdown. I don't know if you saw that, but it's been, I, I think his last did. one came from Big Ben. So interesting. Like he had so many targets last year. It's, it's a little bit shocking that he hasn't scored a touchdown in a year and a half. Uh, <laughs> but Najee scored a touchdown also kind of uh, he's looking better each week, but uh, Harris or, or Warren is still there creeping on Harris's uh, tail right now. So it's pretty much all I have for that matchup. That was a little about a week ago now. So disappointing week for DeAndre Hopkins. Um, I will circle back to Will Levis a little bit. His strengths are pushing the ball down the field. And if you look down the stat line for this past matchup, everyone had like, a 24, 29, 23-yard catch because he's pushing it down the field, and you don't see that that often. So that's impressive for him, and I hope Will Levis keeps improving, but hopefully he passes to DeAndre Hopkins a little bit more. Other quarterbacks, we complain about him, them passing to their number one option too much, but he might have spread the ball around a little too much this week. Yeah, yep. So we'll see what happens going forward, but I think these two quarterbacks are headed in different directions. We gave you guys a lot for that first matchup, so let's move on to the next big matchup here, and that is the Miami Dolphins in Kansas City in Germany. Jeff, what were your takeaways in this matchup? I know it's not exactly how you had it thought out uh, going into this, and I will just say, based off the pick last week, Jeff, you got the Steelers right. I picked Tennessee. It was a close game, but you got it right last time. How did we do this time? All right, so the Dolphins and the Chiefs should have been a much better game than we were treated to at the 9.30 a.m. window. The only real takeaways that I have from this is there's like no Chiefs pass catcher that you can trust. You can trust Travis Kelsey when Taylor Swift is in the stadium, but other than that, you really can't trust him. Um, And so no Chiefs pass catcher had more than five targets or three receptions. That is not good at all. And it stinks because they have the best quarterback in the league and all he is is like a... He's a spreader, basically, at this point. He's that little green thing that you push in the front lawn to spread the grass seed and spread fertilizer. It's pretty much what he is right now. So (laughs) um, still the best quarterback in the league. Don't get me wrong. And they may figure something out, but right now they have not figured any of it out yet. (laughs) Excuse me. Um, Mostert looked good as A-Chain's return looms. Um, Do you think Mostert 
maintains a role in this lineup? Do you think Wilson gets a role in this lineup? Or do you think A-Chain kind of comes back to his role in this backfield? I would assume when A-Chain comes back, it'll be a split between Mostert and A-Chain. Unless one of them gets hurt, and then they'll try to factor in like a Jeff Wilson-type player. Uh, Salvin Almond will always have a couple carries here or there. So it's never going to be a perfect, ideal situation. But Mostert and A-Chain should have the majority. And they are very fast, very good, and they can get ripped some big plays. However, I think it is an option to consider trading Raheem Mostert, if you're okay at running back, to trade Mostert for a wide receiver, uh, improve at tight end and quarterback, if you can get enough value back. Because I think this could be the highest value that he's going to have, potentially. I'm not saying he, he won't be good for the rest of the year, but splitting with A-Chain will, will limit his upside for the rest of the year if they're both healthy. So he would be someone I might look at trading away, but I wouldn't fault anyone for wanting to keep him either. Yeah, and I will take the L on this one, and I want to put some respect on his name. It's A-Chan, um, and I started with the A-Chain business. It's going to be a little while before we get fully over that, but A-Chan, um, I cannot wait for him to return. And uh, he only makes this team better. But I don't really have any other takeaways from this game other than it was kind of a boring punt fest for a bit there. So I think that the Dolphins are what I thought they were. And I think that they struggle against really good playoff teams like Super Bowl contenders. And I I think that they need to get past that and and work around it. And hopefully they do. But I think that both of these teams, the Kansas City Chiefs and the Miami Dolphins, have really solid defenses. And they really showed this week and minimized how much the opponent scored. If Kansas City didn't get a defensive touchdown off of a wacky defensive play, I, I think that this potentially could have ended up a different story, but the Chiefs ended up winning. And part of that is just Miami just couldn't get anything going in that fourth quarter. And so that's been disappointing. Uh, I do think that there's better to come for both teams. And hopefully on the Chiefs side, they figure something out with their wide receivers soon. But that's pretty much it for me, Jeff, and we can move on. All right, we can move on to your favorite quarterback here, the Cardinals at the Browns. I'll let you get it kicked off with Deshaun Watson's return. So Deshaun Watson returned, and although I don't think his shoulder is where it needs to be, he had a solid game. I don't think that he is ever going to go back to the level he was with the Texans, and part of that is the time off and everything that happened with him and getting out of football shape, and part of it is with the Texans, he had a lot more unscripted plays where he scrambled around and then threw on a broken play. And I don't think that that happens as much with Cleveland. I don't think Kevin Stefanski likes that kind of play. So it's all more scripted. So I think Deshaun Watson is like a high-level game manager type quarterback now. And maybe that's good enough for Cleveland. But while he had a pretty good game against the lowly Cardinals, I don't think that that means that he'll be great for the rest of the year. But he might be good enough, maybe, for them to get in the playoffs in a very heavy AFC. The rushing game wasn't very impressive for either team. And I am not impressed with Clayton Toon's first NFL start of the season. I think this is his only for for the rest of the year because Kyler Murray should be back next week. But as a U of H guy, I I hope for more for Clayton Toon for, for that performance. The only bright spot in this game is, well, actually two, if you count the touchdown for Kareem Hunt and 
you count Amari Cooper's really awesome 139 yards off five receptions and a touchdown. So that was really it. That and the defense probably got you a bunch of points because they got a shutout. So that's it for me. Well, that's that's all I feel about this, Jeff. What did you feel about this matchup? Ford and Hunt did not look good, even though Hunt did get that rushing touchdown. It's going to be a little scary to see what happens with Cleveland if they are relying on Deshaun's arm so much. So they're going to need to get a run game somehow. And I don't really understand at this point how they do that because they can't really trade for one. They can't really get Nick Chubb back this year. So I don't really understand. I just think this team would be so much different. I think this would have been like a 40 to nothing game if Nick Chubb was was available because I just think that he adds that different element to this to the game. So there is that. As far as going forward, the Cardinals should look a lot different next week with Murray and probably James Conner coming back. Um, and, and then the pass catchers and Michael Wilson's back as well. So we should be able to uh, to look at really what the Cardinals look at like right now, which is going to be huge and paramount for them going forward because they're going to have to see what they have going into this year's draft because they should have a high pick. So they need to know everything, every bit of information before that starts. All right. I don't really have anything else on that game. You know, I love me some Amari Cooper, though. so kind of excited that he is showing out still and i feel like he showed out for a really long time in the nfl so far so uh we can move on to the bears at the saints and my first question for you in this forum here is going to be um who leads the backfield going forward for the bears so you and i have talked about this offline but Khalil Herbert should be coming back soon. I don't know if it's going to be this coming week or if it's going to be the week after, but very soon. I think Foreman has played very well. He plays tough. He's one of those physical runners. So I think that they're going to do a split back uh, situation. So I I think that they're going to be probably 50-50 because I think Herbert has more explosive plays in him. It's kind of disappointing that Roshan has not performed yet, and part of it is due right when Herbert went out. Roshan got a concussion and was out for a few weeks himself, and Foreman had the chance to steal the show, and he did. Outside of that, I don't think Darrington Evans is a threat to the other three guys, so I think it's going to be a split between Herbert and Foreman. I'd prefer Herbert if he's healthy. That's just how I feel, and Roshan would be the third guy, and he'd be more pass protection and a rotational guy there. Jeff, how do you feel about that? And also, how do you feel about uh, the Chicago Bears quarterback situation with potentially Fields coming back. Is it the same exact situation as Kyler Murray, basically? So I'm ready for him to come back. I feel like the backup, the rookie, what is it, Badgett? Legent, I think Bajet. is how it's pronounced. Yes, he did okay in relief, but I don't think that he's a franchise quarterback of any caliber. So it's just going to have to be a, we're going to have to see what field has the rest of the year. And they're going to absolutely have to know same thing with the Cardinals are both teams are going to have to know who they have at quarterback right now. And if they need to go in a different direction, this is a life changing franchise altering uh, draft class for quarterbacks. Um, And I think that there's going to be enough of them in this draft where that could really be game changing. Oh, right. So what do you think? Go ahead. So I'll just add in there that Bajent, he had some good plays, and he seems to make a decision quicker than Justin Fields, which is a good thing, but he had four turnovers, three interceptions, one fumble. And DJ Moore had one of his worst weeks of the the year, and he had a fumble of his own. And this is the Daryl Mooney and Cole Komet show for Chicago, which is 
a rarity to see Mooney up there, but I, I hope it's encouraging for Cole Komet, even if Justin Fields comes back. I hope Justin Fields will target Cole Komet more. Uh, and I think that when Fields comes back, I, I think that if he's healthy for this week, I think he'll probably be the starter. I think that's what you were alluding to, Jeff. Yeah, absolutely. I see that Cole Komet ended up with two touchdowns in this previous game. Do you think he has that that chemistry with Fields going forward, or do you think this was like a special chemistry that he had with the backup? Ah, oh, man, they paid him a lot, so hopefully the, the coordinator gets Fields to throw to him. I, I think that he's the second-best receiving option on this team to DJ Moore, and I think that the backup being a rookie, rookie's in the throw to a safety blanket, and it's usually a tight end. So I think that's part of the reason. But I think Justin Fields will start targeting Komet. At least that's my hope. Yeah, yeah. And then Carr was targeting Olave and actually Guy got a receiving touchdown. But Michael Thomas was just rendered moot in this game. So kind of an interesting little bit. And I think that you have a theory on that, don't you? I have a theory on which part? On Michael Thomas and the fact that he went catchless oh. this week. Yeah, part of that is Jawan Johnson. It was back this week, and he got some love. He had five receptions this week and got a touchdown. And part of it is because they just have way too many mouths to feed, especially Taysom Hill taking up five targets as well. Taysom Hill, the guy that either you love or you hate because he's stealing all the points from your guys or you love because you snagged him off free agency or drafted him super late and feel like a genius because you're using him. So. And it's going to be rough to be a Saints fantasy owner, unless it's maybe Alvin Kamara. Although, being an Alvin Kamara owner myself, I was very frustrated that Taysom Hill had more carries and more yardage than Alvin Kamara. I hope that's not the norm going forward, but Taysom Hill is definitely someone who is going to be stealing some points. And uh, hopefully you're able to get him on your team and start him in either the tight end or flex or wherever he's eligible kind of position. Oh, right. Anything else you want to add to this matchup before we move on? No, I think that's it. Oh, right. So this game might actually be kind of quick for us. We have the Packers and the Rams. One bit of news coming out of this week is Carson Wentz finally signs with the Rams. And the plan right now is for him to back up Matthew Stafford. And Matthew Stafford should be fully healthy exiting the bye. So... It does look like Stafford is going to start and Wentz is going to be the backup slash insurance policy. Uh, Brett Rippon did get a start, but uh, was not good as the Packers beat the Rams. Um, so my one question for you out of this matchup, because nothing like else jumps off the, the page at all on this. Like, I think this is a complete mulligan for the Rams because Rippon's never going to start again. So like, it's not even really worth discussing what the Rams did in this matchup. So, but basically Aaron Jones, is he back? I think Aaron Jones is back. So Aaron Jones looks back. I think that Luke Musgrave, I'm going to throw him some love because he's a tight end that I liked in the pre-draft process and that I thought would have some fantasy impact. He got a touchdown as well as 51 yards. So anyone who played him as a bi-week fill-in or an injury fill-in, kudos to you because he, he showed up. I think there's a few tight ends that actually played pretty well this week, and we can certainly cover those. We should show some love for Njoku for previous matchup as well. Um, didn't get to throw that out there, but some takeaways from this matchup and going forward with the Wentz news, hopefully that stabilizes the fantasy value of Cooper Cup and Puka Nakua, that should Stafford be out, like if he can't play, hopefully Wentz with a, a week practice because they're on bye week now, they should be able to 
get him up to speed enough that he can sling it out to these guys, fingers crossed. But some fallers for me, Royce Freeman and Daryl Henderson, I think that Kyron Williams potentially could be coming back after the buy. So those guys, their value may collapse, but hopefully uh, we can also see Zach Evans come back and actually be relevant too. We'll see how that works out. So over the bye week and going into the next matchup, we'll have to watch how that backfield shakes out. All right. Anything else you want to add to this matchup that I might have missed? Just the the Green Bay receiving corps is uh, a cluster right now and just as hard to predict as Kansas City's. And some of that's due to Jordan Love because mm-hmm. there's nothing to love about him currently. <laughs> Jeff has fallen out of love with Jordan. Hey, hey, I'm hoping two games from now there'll be a quarterback that you fall out of love with and we'll get we'll get there. Um, Uh So next up is the Vikings at the Falcons. Um, I'm going to let you kick this off because I know that you're really excited about the quarterback play in this matchup. You're a really big Taylor Heineke fan. I actually thought the quarterbacking in this matchup really wasn't that terrible all around. Surprisingly. Uh, Surprisingly, even the rookie Jaron Hall was five for six with zero interceptions and was about to score a rushing touchdown when he got knocked out of the game, I think, with a concussion. And they were so unprepared for that that on the one-yard line, the Vikings kicked a field goal rather than try to do a, a handoff or anything and risk a fumble or turnover right there. So that was interesting to me. But Josh Dobbs comes in, and Josh Dobbs is literally has the coach talking into his ear and translating the plays because he hasn't had enough time. He It was only a few days. They signed him on Tuesday, not even a full week. So they had to translate the plays in real time as he was calling them out to the team so he knew what to do, where, where to target. And he did phenomenally. Zero interceptions. He did have two fumbles lost, which is concerning, but he was the leading passer for the Vikings. He was the leading rusher for the Vikings. He gave TJ Hawkinson's... Uh, a usable week, Jordan Addison, a usable week. Definitely Alexander Madison probably had one of his better performances of the year. So hope is not 100% lost in Minnesota. However, this is more folk hero-y kind of uh, play where I don't think Dobbs is the guy, but I think he is a decent alternative to what the Vikings were left with after the Cousins' year-end injury. Um, On the flip side here for the Falcons, I thought Heineke played really well not perfect he he had an interception but Heineke played solidly for the Falcons I feel like they should have won but for whatever reason the Falcons defense which is to me better on paper than performance they have three weeks in a row now they lost to a team debuting a new quarterback three weeks in a row and it's concerning because their next matchup is a new debut I think it, they play Arizona next week against Kyler Murray I, I think th- they play a team we can discuss it next podcast. They play a team that is starting a new quarterback next week. So I might pick the other team against the Falcons. But for whatever reason, Art Smith is incapable of giving the ball to Bijan Robinson. Nine weeks into the year, Bijan Robinson has one goal on carry. One goal on carry for the eighth overall pick in this recent draft. I don't understand it. I like John Smith. I don't understand why he's your leading receiver over Kyle Pitts, over Drake London, who didn't even register a catch this week. I don't know if he got knocked out with an injury, but 
they should have won this game multiple times. And it's purely the overwhelming guts from Dobbs and just the sheer, the sheer tenacity of the Vikings to win despite missing out on Cousins and Justin Jefferson. So that's all I said. I'm sure that was like a 20-minute rant here, but <laughs> that's what I got from this matchup. All right. I will keep it short and concise. And uh, if that's what Hawkinson and Addison can expect going forward, then we're okay. Uh, my heart just breaks for Cam Akers. Uh, the to- a second a torn Achilles. Woof. Like he was a guy that actually started to come on a little bit for Minnesota here. Um, now they have to go back to Madison. So that'll be interesting. And I do expect Ty Chandler to get some run as well. Um, and then P- Bijan is like missing. Was it you who told me this week that uh, HN and uh, Bijan were very close in, in fantasy points right now? And HN has four more weeks? fantasy. Yeah. HN has more fantasy points than Bijan Robinson at this point. Yeah, yep. two weeks. Oh, right. That's crazy. All right. Oh, right. So well, it looks like we can move on to the next matchup here. And Jeff, I know you got things to say about this. The Seahawks at the Ravens. So I will let you talk since I went on a rant this last one. <laughs> well, I want to rant about Geno Smith here a little bit. Uh, he completed 13 passes in a 34-point loss. I feel like that is unacceptable. Um, especially because once you believe a team's up by 28 points, 21 points, they're probably playing prevent. So something's not going right there. Um, Kenneth Walker's carries the last few weeks have, have really become a concern. I think he had eight carries and then nine carries the last two weeks. And that's not nearly enough to get fantasy value from Kenneth Walker at this point. The only good part about that is Charbonnet didn't, didn't out carry him or out touch him this week. So that's a good thing for him. Um, Mark Andrews appears to be fully back. He did start the season off slow because he was injured. Uh, it wasn't very well advertised, but he was battling some camp injuries and some preseason injuries. Um, so my only question and only point that I have left is Keaton Mitchell. Is he real? And is that someone that we should run to the waiver wire and scoop up this week? Oh, well, part of it, I think, is game script because while... Seattle and Baltimore were tied 0-0 after the first quarter. Baltimore easily pulled ahead. So I think they got to the point where they're like, why lean so much on Gus Edwards? Why not involve a third running back here? And he was hyper-efficient. He ripped off some big plays. So I think that's part of it. I do think that he is electric enough that he could threaten Gus Edwards and Justice Hill. He can at least move to the the number two running back spot over Justice Hill, because I don't think Justice Hill is that great. And then potentially, once there, could unseat Gus Edwards. So he is someone to keep an eye on, maybe pick up in your waivers and stash him on your bench. Uh, I wouldn't guarantee that he's going to start over Gus Edwards, but he's intriguing enough if you can fit him on your roster. All right, so go bid all your waiver waiver monies and fab monies on this right now uh just kidding um but he's a guy that could be good down the stretch so just some interesting little thoughts and tidbits there but uh we can move forward if you don't have anything else on this game i'll let you actually answer that first and then if not we can move over to your to the game that you want to get to i'll just say that i'm very disappointed in seattle's performance this week i know 
for for my sake, I will say that Baltimore is a top five defense, maybe even top three defense in the league. But that being said, they should have gotten more out of this game. They should have ran the ball more with Kenneth Walker and Charbonnet. They should have been able to get something going a little bit more than what they did because I agree with you that three and 37 is unacceptable for a team that's trying to compete for, for the playoffs. And I don't know at this point, is it all on Geno Smith's shoulders or is it part of the, the play calling? Where where do you lay the fault at all around? I know you're going to say Geno, but this is more hypothetical and more introspective for you fantasy owners out there. Where do you lay the blame? And I think that it's pretty much spread all around. Okay, we can move on to the Buccaneers at the Texans. Jeff, would right. you like to take this one? Or no, I would not, to... because I want you to say his name first. Say his name, CJ Stroud. I... I'm so ecstatic about this game. Like, C.J. Stroud and the Texans, who lost to the Panthers last week, are still the Panthers' sole victory. I was kind of a little down overall. I know that a lot of people out there have been touting C.J. Stroud, but I've been wondering, as a Texans fan, how do we lose to the Panthers? And is C.J. Stroud as good as his performance this year has shown? This was the game for me that really sold C.J. Stroud going forward. They lost their kicker early in the game. <laughs> their kicker got hurt before halftime. They couldn't kick extra points. They re- weren't supposed to be able to kick field goals. And they had to go for it, and they had to fight against the Buccaneers team that is better than their record shows and is better than we anticipated them being. Their offense has been pretty solid, not a top-five offense by any means. Pretty solid. Their defense still has really good defensive players that are holdovers from when they had Tom Brady and competed in the Super Bowl and completed in playoffs. Uh, so their defense is good. They have pieces on their offense that's good. Baker had a good game as well. And the fight that C.J. Stroud had to really come back and really push and win the game at the end is incredible. And fantasy-wise, for anyone who started him, you love the 470 passing yards, five touchdowns, Zero interceptions, zero fumbles lost. Amazing game. I am over the moon with this guy. I'm over the moon for the the hope for the Texans going forward. That said, I will bring in the negatives, and the negatives are just a reflection of the positives. Why did Noah Brown get 153 yards in a touchdown? (laughs) That should have been spread around to Nico Collins. I know a lot of you probably hope that that went to to John Mechie. Uh, I thought Hopefully, uh, Devin Singletary would do something this week with Pierce out. Devin Singletary did nothing. This run game is a shambles. So those are the negatives for me. Positives are Noah Brown, Dalton Schultz, Tank Dell, and Nico Collins feasted. So hopefully you guys had any of those guys. Mike Evans on on the Buccaneers side had a salvageable week. Cade Otten seems like a, a pickup for me if you need a tight end out there. He had a great week with two touchdowns and 70 yards off six catches. Quiet week for Chris Gladwin. I'm kind of concerned about him, but Rashad White has proven that he is deserving of starting in fantasy lineups. If if not, like I know he's not a very effective real NFL runner, but he's a great fantasy asset with his receiving ability and no one else competing with him on the Bucks backfield. Jeff, I'm sorry I talked so much, but what did you think of this matchup? <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Um so I don't really know what to think of Noah Brown. I don't know if he's a one-week wonder or if he's someone that we should be scooping. Um, was he like 
a Robert Woods fill in? Is Robert Woods going to take targets away from him when he does come back? So that's some questions that I have about him. Tank Dell looks like a speed demon out there. Um, I would say the Bucks and Mayfield look just as impressive as Stroud and the Texans in this one. And that's, that is a message that I kind of want to take away from this. And then, you know, that I was really big on Rashad White going into the season, and he really has been producing RB1 numbers the last couple of weeks. So that is kind of the Buccaneer side of it, since you were very heavy on the Texans side of things, which is fine I because CJ Stroud has I arrived. I don't know why. I have no idea why, Jeff. <laughs> CJ Stroud has arrived, though. So there is that. And, uh, yeah, I, I really, I thoroughly enjoyed this match up uh, more than I thought I would. The same thing with the Falcons and the Vikings. I enjoyed that matchup more than I thought I would. So those are always pleasant surprises when, I, when games are better than I thought they would be. Even the next game that we're going to go over was better than I thought it would be. Just real quick for Noah Brown. He, I think he's supplanted Woods at this point. I don't know if Woods is much left in the tank at all. So I, I think that. Noah Brown is someone who I actually low-key kind of liked when he was on the Cowboys, and I don't think he got a true fair shake with the Cowboys because of what, what they had. And I think that he is a sneaky guy on the Texans. That being said, I don't know how reliable he's going to be as a fantasy option. I think he's going to have random weeks of explosion and then a lot of weeks of irrelevance fantasy-wise. Absolutely. So, so are you ready to hop to the next? Sorry, one more Texans call. Kudos to to the Texans backup, backup, backup running back Dare for getting a field goal in this game. <laughs> he did the uh, kickoff no, for once the kicker got hurt, and he got the field goal. So that's that's hilarious to me, and I, I'm glad it worked out for us. But yes, we can move on. All right, so we have the Washington team that we will remain nameless, and the Patriots. And Washington put up 400 yards on New England, most of it from Sam Howell's arm. Dotson, back-to-back weeks with touchdowns. Uh, Douglas leads the New England wide receiver core with 55 yards. Kind of a rookie guy that was under the radar, on the radar for us, but under the radar for most going into the year. And then also, my question is, in a three-point game, why did Ramondre Stevenson only get nine carries? He had 87 yards on those nine carries. It was a three-point game. So I'll let you start with Stevenson, and then I'll let you also rave about how good Sam Howell looked in this game. So I don't understand the play calling for New England at all. I think they need to clean house at this point. I don't think Bill Belichick is nothing without Tom Brady. I know he's a solid defensive coordinator. I don't know head coach wise, if I would want him to be a head coach going forward because of how abysmal the offense is. And I agree with you. Ramondre Stevenson, he should have at a minimum should have had six more carries at a minimum. And he ripped off that 64 yard touchdown, which was incredible. He had four catches for 42 yards. So he put up like 130 yards total for you fantasy owners out there. So he's the best thing about this offense Demario Douglas, to me, at best, is a wide receiver four. And I don't think anyone on this offense outside of Ramondre and Hunter Henry are worth owning in fantasy circles. I think you could make a case for Demario Douglas as a deep roster stash or a wide receiver four, wide receiver five type on your team. But I don't see him being fantasy relevant on a regular basis. I'm not personally interested in him. 
However, I will keep tabs on him to see if that changes, in my opinion. Um, so for Washington side, Sam Howe had a great game. He and Mac Jones threw the same amount of times, 45 attempts to 44 attempts, but Sam Howe was more effective. Uh, I, I thought that he did great, and he spread the ball around. Terry McLaren ate his. Still would like him to get a touchdown. Jahan Dotson, he has two back-to-back good weeks. He got a touchdown in this one, 69 yards. So I'm excited for that. I don't know going forward, though, is Curtis Samuel still going to be the second option for this team? Or is he now relegated back to third when he comes back from injury? So is it Terry McLaren, Dotson, and Curtis Samuel in that order? Or how, or is it interchangeable? How do you feel about this matchup, Jeff? And how do you feel about that receiving core? I think they're. I think if Howell's putting up over 300 yards, I think they're both startable. Um, both McLaurin and... What's up? Samuel, too. Yeah, Samuel, I got to see him back first because he is an oft-injured wide receiver. But this is the Dotson that I expected this year, and now he's starting to score and rack up touchdowns. And he's going to be a guy that shoots up the uh, scoring leaderboard for fantasy this year. And I do expect him to end up around wide receiver 20 to 30 this year after all is said and done. But uh, the last couple of weeks, he's started to make that climb. All right. How do you feel about the Patriots running back situation? Uh, it's ugly right now. Like, I don't understand how you run so little when you're only down three and it's actually successful. It just, it doesn't compute in my brain. Well, that whole second quarter, they were basically slated to win New England. New England yep. was favored that whole second quarter. So that's the time you like, you keep running the ball. You keep it away from Sam Howell. So, I so so with Dotson here, he's currently wide receiver 44. So what I just said, him be finishing between 20 and 30 is very feasible. But the last two weeks, he has 20 points and 14 points. So big weeks for him. And I expect more big weeks ahead for, for him. He's, you want to know what's really sad is the one person that's one spot ahead of Dotson is DK Metcalf. And we kind of rave about him. Yeah, DK Metcalf has not had the season that owners wanted. But, but that he's said, had double-digit scoring like four out of eight weeks. So he just has had low double-digit score. It's kind of it, – he's like weird. He's scoring just enough to make us stay happy, but like not enough for us to be like, oh, he's a guy that we want in our lineups. Yeah. However, going back to this matchup, I finally figured out why you like Sam Howell so much. And it's not that he's a gunslinger. It's that he's making Jahan Dotson relevant, and you love that. Great aspect. again. no uh i i like him because and i think i described this offline very well he i don't i don't think he's like a top 20 quarterback in the league he could be he very well could be but i don't think he's like in that top echelon of quarterback but he's in the top echelon of fun quarterbacks to watch so and that's enough for me really yeah Uh, he is a mini josh allen like he is like a josh allen Baker Mayfield Light. hybrid quarterback. So he he's that kind of guy, and he's entertaining to watch. Yep, Josh Allen Light. All right, well, let's move on to the Indianapolis Colts at the Carolina Panthers. Jeff, do you want to take this one? Yeah, let's uh, dig into this matchup. It's a very unfortunate matchup because the Panthers did lose. Uh, Bryce Young didn't look good. He threw two pick sixes, three total interceptions. Minshew didn't look good either, which is really upsetting to me as well. Um, 
very, very little offense in this matchup, which automatically attributes to a very boring matchup. I'm not here for defensive matchups. Like it's just not, it's not really my cup of tea. Um, so, but, uh, I did leave with one question out of this matchup and I'll let you answer it, but did Miles Sanders do enough to reclaim his spot as the starting running back for Carolina or is Chuba the guy still there? Chuba. He did enough to get back into the timeshare. I don't think either one of these guys is going to be the lead back going forward. So I'm picturing them all going in on a timeshare in Florida together right now because you just said he did enough to get back in on the timeshare. Get back into the will of the timeshare. <laughs> yeah, either that or, or a place in Mexico. You know, I can see it happening. Hey. There really isn't a lot to say about this matchup. It wasn't a fun matchup to watch, and it wasn't a fun matchup as a fan. So just, so, uh, yep, go ahead. I'll, I'll just give my, my viewpoint on this, and we can move on. Um, Gardner, like the, the difference in this matchup is the turnovers. And Gardner Minshew, who has been turning over the ball this season a lot, played virtually mistake-free football. He didn't have an interception. He didn't have a fumble. His passing stats weren't very great, but he did just enough to get the edge. But Bryce Young played well last week, kind of regressed quite a bit this week with three interceptions. Two of them went for pick sixes. Uh, That was the major difference in this matchup because without those two pick sixes, it's a tie game. Potentially the next field goal wins. Potentially they go into overtime. So that changes the whole dynamic. And some of it is on the play calling. So I, I don't know how you feel about your head coach right now, but the play calling doesn't seem very inspired. The offensive line seems like they're regressing. But to me, another factor is I don't know if Bryce Young could see the field very well. I don't know if it's the way the play is set up. I don't know if it's a height and size related issue that may reoccur at times, but he just didn't have it in this game. And then Jeff, I don't know if you had any uh, return comments and any rebuttals to any of that that you wanted to bring up, but how do you feel about Frank Wright in this offense right now? And how do you feel about Bryce Young as a Panthers fan? I don't feel good about it right now, but as we've seen before, that fortune can change down the stretch. They're definitely not going to be a playoff team, but they could be a team that rattles off four wins down the stretch, especially with teams that are falling out of the playoff and playing against teams with torn ACLs or torn Achilles (laughs) quarterbacks and uh, a little bit less of quarterback play. So just an interesting little tidbit there. Um, I just, I I don't know where they go from here, but they're going to have to figure out something for Thursday night, which I'm going to enjoy, which we'll get into our preview very shortly here. Um, But I'll save that for the preview. Okay. Well, let's go ahead and and move on to the Dallas Cowboys at the Philadelphia Eagles. And I know we're going to have some takes that may be different, maybe a little bit controversial, but Jeff, I will let you go in and start first on this one. So this was probably the matchup of the week for me. Um, the The Cowboys came up three yards short of victory in Philly. So that, I mean, that in a weird way is a victory, like against a div- tough divisional opponent um, on the road to only come up three yards short. Like you would think that that would, might go a little bit differently if it was in Dallas, but uh, it's it's just something to think about. But Pollard and Swift were hurting in rushing fantasy stats. But Lamb and A.J. Brown were not, 
they were definitely very featured and very pass heavy matchup. Um, and then also like Dallas Goddard's out for the foreseeable future. I don't love it, but that's kind of just what we're going to have to deal with right now with uh, the Eagles here. So how do you feel about the two quarterbacks in this matchup, Jeff? Uh, I thought it was a quarterback duel, but who really, I, I just think Dak has hit a whole nother stride the last like three weeks of the season. And it's not, it's nothing that I even knew Dak still had in his repertoire where he was running and being more athletic with the football, but he kind of pulled it out of nowhere because he hasn't been doing this for like the last few seasons, if, unless I'm missing something there. And then Hertz just isn't running at all right now because he's injured. His knee is injured. All he does, he did have like 10 rushes, but I think he had like what, 20 ish yards, 30 ish yards. So they were all from the tush push or whatever we're calling it this, these days, uh, the brotherly shove whatever whatever cool nickname that we have for it but uh yeah that's what we are with with those two quarterbacks am i reading that wrong or are you reading it the same uh okay so i think jalen hurts is clearly the better quarterback and it may not show on the stats because they kind of i feel like the eagles kind of controlled the game in the second half that they were very close in the first half and i think for me Dak Prescott is a good fantasy quarterback. He will get you points. He will look good on the stat sheet. But when you're watching the game, Dak Prescott, for the first three quarters of a game, is a different quarterback than Dak Prescott in the fourth quarter, especially in a very tough game. When things are going well, Dak is a great quarterback to have. But when things are close, when he's playing a tough team, I don't think Dak is the type of quarterback that can really fight back at the end. So looking at the last couple drives, because I watched that game. So (laughs) looking at the last few drives in the fourth quarter, they had multiple chances to win the game. They had multiple chances. Dak threw it it to receivers and tight ends that had no chance of actually getting the touchdown. So like you can start with the very last play of the game. Threw it an under route that had no chance of getting into the end zone, but that was a desperation play. So you can look at where they threw to the tight end, and he underthrew it, and the tight end was stopped short, like a a yard or half a yard short. And you can look at Dak trying to scramble into the end zone and getting completely shut down by two defenders, one low, one high, stopped him well short on a fourth down play, trying to run it into the end zone. You can look at Dak trying to get a two-point conversion on a touchdown and trying to run it in and running out of bounds. I don't I don't see how he made that kind of mistake. And to me, Dak pressured is not a very good quarterback. Dak pressured running for his life, trying to look down. He plays too scared, and there's other quarterbacks out there that are calmer, that are more poised, that actually can make the plays happen at the end of the game to get the win. Like, you look at C.J. Stroud, you look at Joe Burrow, like, these are guys that did it at the end of the fourth quarter, and Dak didn't. Like, you look at his stats, and he had great stats. He had, like, over 300 yards and, and three touchdowns, zero picks. And you might say, that's crazy for me to nitpick like that, but that's just how I see his play. And part of it is, since he can't do that, they're a team that used to rely on the run game with Zeke. Used to have a one-two punch with Zeke and Pollard. They don't have that. You've pinpointed multiple times that Pollard is not the type of back that can last a season as the lead guy, and I think that's shown through 
this year. So where is their sledgehammer? Where where is their back that can get the short yards play, short yardage play? Who can get the touchdowns in the red zone so that you don't put everything on Dak's shoulder at the end? So maybe it's just that they don't have enough balance, and maybe Dak is a better quarterback than I give him credit for, and they just don't have the balance, and everything's on his shoulders. Or maybe he's just not the guy to get them to the Super Bowl. So that's just how I feel about it. And Jeff, you are more than welcome to disagree, rebuttal, whatever. Yeah, I think that the Cowboys were the Cowboys here. There was like a couple things that couldn't happen, and that kind of happened on back-to-back plays. One in that range, you can't take a sack, and they took a sack. And the number one, the number two is they can't get a penalty, and they got a penalty, and those were back-to-back plays. So, and I don't know if that's so much Dak as as much as it is the culture of the Dallas Cowboys. And I think, I think Dak's talented enough to win, but he may not have the structure and the coaching to win in Dallas. But that's a good point. Uh, the sacks that he takes at times are in a lot of cases preventable and he should be able to throw the ball away uh, not put himself in that situation but I know not all sacks are avoidable I just think that there's some things that could change however <laughs> I think that CeeDee Lamb has finally turned the corner I know he struggled earlier on in the year and uh, the last few weeks he's been the guy Jake Ferguson's being involved lately as well so that's great Devonta Smith and AJ Brown both had touchdowns so I, I think those guys are guys that you want to keep going forward but we have talked your ears off about this enough unless you have anything more jeff we can move on to the next one absolutely we got three matchups left and so the first one is the giants at the raiders i will kick this off by saying daniel jones is out for the year with a torn acl um but i will let you get kicked off with your boy aiden o'connell here this is so (laughs) it's funny to me that this past draft was a terrible rookie quarterback draft and yet it seems like this year is all about the rookie quarterbacks so Aiden O'Connell finally gets to play again and plays with the new head coach they get the win he he looked really solid he he looks like a mini gunslinger a lot of his passes went for good intermediate to long throws Josh Jacobs got the feast because finally there's a quarterback who's not turning over the ball a lot and is able to make the defense respect the pass game so that was great. I think that going forward, this this Raiders team will be better than a bottom dweller, but I think that they're going to have a tough matchup next week against the Jets. However, the Giants look completely and utterly like a dumpster fire. Saquon Barkley is the only thing that they've got going for them. They recently put Darren Waller on IR. Uh, Daniel Jones probably out, what, for the next year? For the rest of the year, you think? So, I mean, this is a team that just looks miserable and they're starting Tommy DeVito they're trying to get in another quarterback but I just don't see the Giants getting another win for the rest of the year and Jeff I don't know how you feel about that oh boy I think um we were texting during this game and you were telling me that uh Brian Dable is in trouble but I feel like this kind of earned him a mulligan and that's might be the one thing that like gets us back together next year sadly they're gonna have to figure out what to do with Daniel Jones and they're probably not going to be able to trade or cut him because he's not going to be ready until August next year. So I don't really know what happens there because he's got fully guaranteed next year. Barkley. I don't know. Does Barkley even want to come back to this team? Like, I don't know why Barkley didn't want to be traded (laughs) to be honest. Like they're not that good. And they're, they're just not doing a lot here. Now, Josh Jacobs looks really good on the flip side. So 
he's a guy that should want to be back. And it does seem like he's back back. Like he's Josh Jacobs again now with uh, Aiden O'Connell there. But again, like all this, all these pass catchers on both the Raiders and the Giants here, they're pretty much obsolete at this exact moment until I actually see it. And that's sad because Devonta Adams and Jacoby Myers are actually really good wide receivers, but I need to see them produce with the current quarterback that's back there. And the giants now are just toast. Like they're, they're a team that I would bet against almost every week. Now they, 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 I don't see another victory in sight. So that could give, that could honestly get them a top 10 pick or top five pick. And then at that point, do you just draft a quarterback and keep Jones oh, on the yeah. roster next year? You have to. You have, yeah. like if they're in a position to take a quarterback or even move up to take a quarterback, they have to. Yep. I don't see another option. And then that just I, I feel like that's a get out of jail free card for Dable, to be honest. Like I feel like him, I feel like he could go to ownership soon and be like, Well, I didn't have my starting quarterback for over half the year. I'm sorry. I don't know, man. I, I think if he survives the year, then that is the perfect thing that could happen to save his career. But I don't think he survives a year at this point. Like they have They've been so utterly miserable. And again, they didn't involve Hyatt very much in this game. And I've been harping for Hyatt all season long that he is the only guy that is a deep threat for them. And he is the only one who can stretch the field and open things up. And they just they just don't throw it to him. And when they do that, they don't win the game. So I, I don't think Daniel Jones is a guy. I, I recommended against it, uh, people starting him last week. And... Granted, it took an injury for him to go out, but I don't think he was effective before the injury either. I think the Raiders' defense is better than, than some people think that they are, but I don't think Daniel Jones is good either. So that's interesting. But we can talk about next week's matchups too, but I think that uh, for what you said about Jacoby Myers and J- Devontae Adams, I think that that trend continues next week with the Jets. So it's very iffy starts next week as well, but I think maybe after that they start uh, showing up again with Aiden O'Connell at the helm. Okay, well, let's go ahead and move on to the last two matchups here so we can talk about Buffalo at Cincinnati. And Jeff, I'll let you take this one. All right, so battle of the t- two of the top five quarterbacks in the NFL does not disappoint. Um, tight ends kind of reign supreme in this one. Kincaid with 10 catches. And then Sample and Smith, Irv Smith, citing get tight touchdowns for the Bengals. Um, it looks like T Higgins here has his breakout game of the year. So that's finally like happening. Um, but the only other takeaway that I really had for this matchup is well, other than McDermott's, uh, clock management, which was pretty abysmal at best. What, what do you, what do we do with James Cook at this point? Like is Leonard Fournette going to just take over this backfield in a second? No, but I think Leonard Fournette (laughs) is going to take over goal line very soon. And I'm I am just annoyed that Josh Allen keeps stealing the rushing from James Cook lately. I think he I don't know if he thinks that everyone is just not good enough and tries to put too much on his own shoulders, but I'm annoyed that James Cook isn't getting more usage. I think he would have been effective in space and they kept trying to run him up the middle and that was just never gonna happen. So I, I don't know what the play calling is here. But Dalton Kincaid being used a lot was great. Granted, he had that fumble loss, so that was disappointing. Khalil Shakir had a good first half and then disappeared off the map in the second half, I felt like. So I, I would have liked to have seen him used more. Stefan Diggs was blanketed a lot, but he did salvage this week with 86 yards and a touchdown. I think that that was in the second half that he got that touchdown, if I 
remember correctly. Uh, fourth quarter, actually. So, for me, the Bengals looked awesome on, on the passing side. Um, I think that any of these guys could have had a bigger week. The, Jamar Chase had a really deep catch that he had and then got sandwiched between two defenders and wasn't able to hang on to it, but he would have had a bigger week. We saw Irv Smith be relevant. He got a touchdown. He almost had two touchdowns, but one was called back, I think, on a penalty. But he he was uh, finally, nine weeks in, we get the Irv Smith show where he finally does something, and I would like to see that trend continue. Might be difficult with Drew Sample at tight end there as well, but right now, T. Higgins, I think he's had a couple weeks in a row where he's actually been relevant and been fairly good. I think this was his best game of the year. I'm encouraged that Tyler Boyd keeps being involved a lot. But I know for the Bengals side, there were so many penalties on offense and that reset a lot of plays and it could have been a much higher scoring game for the Bengals. Joe Burrow is 100% back. He looks phenomenal these last few weeks. I think this season, he is the best quarterback in the league. I don't think Patrick Mahomes has been his usual self. And I think that it's totally fair for for these good quarterbacks to flip-flop back and forth in rankings on any given year. So uh, I like Joe Burrow this year. Uh, I hope that they keep winning, and I think that they could potentially go to the Super Bowl. Yeah, I think it's possible at this point, but uh, I think there's a lot of good quarterbacks and a lot of good matchups to be had there. Jamar Chase, we have to watch out for his back as well. He may miss this upcoming week and then subsequent weeks as well with a bad back. So just something to look out for, especially as Higgins breaks out. Oh. Okay, I think that we can move on from this one if you've got nothing else. Okay, so last matchup is the Monday night matchup, and this is the Chargers at the Jets. Jets only able to put up six points. Chargers got 27, so Chargers got a relatively easy victory. I think that there was a point, though, when it was 17-6 to in the fourth quarter. Uh, I think that the Jets had a chance to come back, and then Zach Wilson w- was uh, taken unawares and got a fumble, and that turned everything around and ended the game for the Jets. Chargers scored relatively quickly off of that, I think, because they got it all the way to the second yard line. The the the, the two, I guess the two. I don't know the whatever, but <laughs> they had a short yardage position, and then. Eckler got a touchdown off that and saved his week for those of you who had him. But man, the Jets were able to slow down Justin Herbert. He only had 136 yards off of 30 attempts, zero touchdowns, zero picks. But Quentin Johnson, a no-show this week. Keenan Allen had a salvageable week, if unimpressive, with eight receptions for 77 yards. Eckler was the primary beneficiary, and nothing else really got going on the passing side for the Chargers. So it's a tough week. Jeff agreed. How do you feel about the Jets defense against quarterbacks like Herbert? Uh, They did the same against Hurts. They did the same against Allen. They did the same against Mahomes. Mahomes was the only one to actually beat them other than Herbert out of this bunch. So this is just something to watch out. They, they like rise to the occasion against the good quarterbacks. And that's kind of what you wanted to see. Uh, It makes me think that Aaron's going to return really soon, but uh, because he did tell, Derwin James that he's returning in a few weeks. So we'll see if that actually comes to fruition. Uh, I heard he was targeting uh, December 28th for his return. So he'd be back for the last two weeks of the season. 
but we'll see about that. And uh, my other takeaway on that is wondering because how much punishment Zach Wilson took in this matchup. Did Aaron Rodgers really rupture his Achilles or did he fake it so he could potentially uh, not have to play behind that offensive line? And that's why he's going to return for the last two games. So he didn't have to take the punishment of a whole season like behind that offensive line. Kind of interesting. He's coming those... back that quick. Uh, you got those conspiracy theories, huh? From you. <laughs> you you passed it down to me. Interesting. That's it don't for the matchup for me, though. Yeah, I, I think if Aaron Rodgers faked an injury for that reason, I don't think he'd be trying to rush to come back. So that's what I have to say about that situation. I think that the Jets may be irrelevant by that point. I mean, they could get a win against the Raiders next week and be 5-4. and four. Gosh, this is really, really a tough AFC. So it's going it. to be interesting. That's row. Yes. It's going to it's going to be interesting to see who ends up sneaking into the playoffs this year. I don't know if there's going to be anyone sneaking in because I think everyone's going to be trying to beat the door down. But I mean, we can just let me just take a quick peek at the standings here for the NFL. It's still a tad bit early for me to like take the standings to heart. Yeah, well, just as a as a baseline, right? So yeah. there are there's still at this point there are at least 11 teams that are at least 500 on their record on the AFC side and outside of that the Indianapolis Colts and the Las Vegas Raiders are 4 and 5 I don't think you can eliminate any of those so that's 13 of the 16 AFC teams I think have a legitimate chance at making playoffs and you can absolutely say there's a super outside chance of Tennessee or Denver sneaking in as well but Agreed. it is so tough, so tough. I think you can basically safely say New England's not going to make it with two and seven. I think you can say the Raiders point. aren't going to make it too. I think you can pretty much cut the Raiders out, but who knows? Yeah, I don't know if you can 100% cut the Raiders out because they do have they Monte have the Adams. They, do, they, have, they have the superstars. I don't know if they yep. have the full roster talent, but they have superstars to help. Whereas, I think you could cut the Colts out too. They're one and four the at N- home. Where, so the NFC... They only have seven of 500 or above teams. They have no one at 500. So they have seven. It's basically their playoff situation is as it sits right, right now, just about. So oh, so just the 500 and above teams make it? Basically. <laughs> I mean, <sighs> there's an outside chance that Atlanta or Tampa could supplant New Orleans. Maybe Washington can sneak in. Maybe the Rams can, can uh, come back with Stafford healthy. But they're three and six, so yeah, I just it's much clearer for the NFC side than the AFC. So I don't, out of the NFC North, I think only the Lions make it. I think the Vikings falter mm-hmm. at some point. I think out of the NFC South, only the Saints make it because I think the Falcons, Bucks, Panthers falter at some point. So that's kind of where it opens up the other divisions here. So probably the Seahawks and the 49ers default to make it now because of the injuries to the quarterbacks over here. Cowboys and Eagles default to make it. So that's six of the seven teams. And then you probably put the commanders and the Rams for that last spot, in my opinion. Maybe. We'll see. Because I don't think the Vikings have a shot at that. And I don't think the Packers have a shot at that. And I also don't think the Bears have a shot at that. And I don't think the Bucks, the Panthers, or the Falcons do either. What have you seen from the Falcons that could get them to there? They're only a game behind New Orleans. I mean, the it's thing not is, the not game, necessarily... though. it's just watching them. They just no, lost the to Josh is... Jobs off the streets. So the the thing for me is, how much do you believe in New Orleans? So I don't. I, I so I think they're I one think out. That it's 
it's every bit as capable that Atlanta trips and falls into the division lead as not. Because no, I it depends more than Atlanta. I have to say, I almost want to say I believe Tampa has a very good chance at at supplanting Atlanta and New Orleans for the division lead. Because although they're they three and five, they've been very competitive in virtually all of their games. The problem so. is though that they have one hundred and fifty eight points for and then one sixty seven against. You can't really can't do well with a negative point differential there like that. But theoretically, the Saints, the way that their schedule has lined up the rest of the year, most of their games are very winnable. So mm-hmm. the Saints should stumble into the division lead. They should, but that it's not always guaranteed to happen. Oh right. Okay, well, that does it for another episode of the Never Too Early Fantasy Football Podcast. Thank you all for downloading or listening to this episode. And please don't forget to like and subscribe. Please leave us a comment and share the show. Every little bit helps. You can find us on all podcasting apps by searching N2E Fantasy and with our handle at N2E Fantasy on all social media platforms. Please give us a follow. Until next time, take care of yourselves. And remember, it's truly never too early for fantasy football. Thank you again. Hi, everybody.